stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're live with us on the Daily Maverick Show at cliffcentral.com. Bit of a gloomy day, but we're, you know, here to cheer things up, make things a bit happier for you. Just after 1 p.m., just about to jump in, mainly talking all things elections. Just about a week away from the local government elections. And it's really just trying to figure out what's going on um, across the country in the key metros. We've got two key people here to, to cut through all the, you know, just the talk and give us the, the hard facts. Greg Nicholson and Jenny Munasami, thank you for joining me, guys. Hello, Thanks for Kingsley. having us, Kingsley. Exciting times, exciting times. Um, well, what have you been doing that you think it's exciting times? It's horrible times. <laughs> if it wasn't for the yeah. election, I would have proposed that we shut things down. Everyone just lie low. Stay under the blankets. Wait till the bad weather to pass. <laughs> I, I can't tell if you're talking about the weather or just the general apocalyptic vibe of the news cycle lately. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, it's it's been incredible. You know, you get to a point where you see, uh, like, just before I came here, yeah. I saw this thing of uh, of a uh, of a priest and nuns being um, held mm. hostage in a church. And I miss that. Where is that? Yeah, yeah, in Normandy. Okay, in in France, and um, I, it looks as if the police shot. The, the hostage takers in the church. And, uh, you know, the, the priest, according to, to one other radio station, mm. is saying, it, mm. it said that the priest was beheaded. And, you know, it's just like the level of violence in society is like, I can't believe that, you know, that was in my mind for 30 seconds and then it went out. Else, I'm so yeah. disgusted with myself, you know, that, that there's such a level of violence that it doesn't even preoccupy the mind anymore that something like this can happen. But there is such a high level of violence and the news is so, has so many of these stories. Yes. That you have to have sort of a, a filter. Yes, that's be, true also. Because, and we get, we get so desensitized to it yeah. that if you, if you, um, become emotional at all of these stories yeah. all the time, I think you'd, just get so depressed. But also, you know, it's just been like one incredible news event after the other. You you simply cannot fathom these things. Like mm. with, the, with the Nice attack, uh, you know, you cannot believe that, uh, you know, a truck can can cause that much death and yeah, destruction. And it was like days apart, if not a day apart from the Turkey Yes, it was one coup, day before. The day before, yes. So, you know, I, I was watching this, like all the, um, uh, the internet, the big, big the, you know, the, the uh, big correspondents mm. from all the major international news mm. networks were on the way to France and then um, uh, Turkey happens. And, you know, they, they, they're doing this report somewhere in between. In between, <laughs> about both. Yeah, about both, you know, and they're, they're switching. You, you watch on CNN and the, or Al Jazeera and they're switching between the two and you think like guys just hold on hold up do one thing properly and stop you know it's like wolf mm. blitzer is like almost giving these reports on a treadmill um trying to make sense of it and, and you know the thing i also found yeah. is that the level of um uh i don't know people are, are, don't seem to be terrified of violence as they should be uh, one thing that really astounded me was mm. in turkey the turkish president was doing this interview uh via facetime while the coup was in yeah. progress yeah. and he said to his citizens go out on the streets. It's exactly not the thing to tell your citizens. Oh, Don't that, say go out onto the streets. But that was a strategy to keep him in power yeah. and it worked. I mean, but you, you will say, stay, like, you know, with like with what you saw in, uh, in, uh, in Germany, uh, last week is people say, stay at stay home, in do the not house, move. Be safe, yeah. And in Turkey, it's the exact opposite. Make, go outside, <laughs> cause mayhem, uh, you know, cause, cause more destruction, stop these guys. So, you know, it's so unpredictable and, um, uh, 
Yeah, it's mind-blowing. I'm trying to figure out how much of it is the world actually getting more violent. It feels like it is. And how much of it is social media, like echo chamber? No, like, but it's it certainly actually? the level of violence. I mean, you've never before had a truck driving into 84 people. Uh, you know, that's not a social media creation. That's, that's certainly, you don't have... Um, but is that just because it happened in France? I'm trying to think compared to perhaps the things well, that Kabul, happened when American troops were in, for example, in the Middle okay, East. I'm just trying war. to see when that's stuff... That's a war. These countries where this violence is happening, is not, they're not at war. France is not at... Well, it, 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 it is <laughs> semi as war with semi, ISIS. Yeah. Uh, Germany is certainly not at war. And uh, look at how many attacks have happened in the past few days there. Um, so it's... it's uh, and then the US is at mm. war with itself. Uh, you know, we keep having these mass killings there. Um, but the statistics that the U.S. government says mm. that the level of crime has decreased. Mm, I think for the past 20 or 30 yeah. years or something, yeah. it's like way down. But yeah. it's the, the, these big incidents of mass killings, that I think that's, that's the difference. <laughs> anyway, back to our... Sorry, I'm still here <laughs> just trying to decide. Is, is, it a, is it a weirdly safe world? Or that it, because it's happening perhaps in more developed countries... Or no, but you have we wouldn't to be expect it where it feels more jarring. You have to be mindful of where you travel and, and how you do things. So for example, the blast in the, in the Atatuk airport in, in, in Istanbul. Mm. And you know, you go, you, the, your biggest problem in the, in, when you, when you're traveling is my luggage mustn't get lost and, uh, you know, uh, th- those kinds of things. You do not say, I must be careful not to walk into a suicide bomber, which is what needs to be in your head now when you travel. Um, you know, it's, it's a place where, where people have their guard down. They, they have other things on their mind. Mm. They are not, they are not concerned about the level of, uh, you know, or being, being on the lookout for terrorists. Um, so I, just like in Nice, uh, those people were, were celebrating Bastille Day. Yeah. Uh, they were not on the lookout for, for, for terrorists. They were completely relaxed with their families. And, um, so this is, this is the, the level of the horror is that it's, it's turning our society to be one that is paranoid, that's constantly on the lookout. Uh, you know, one, I was in Germany last month. Mm. The one thing that completely amazed me is how the, you know, the, the transport system is so effortless. People walk in and out of trains. They don't yeah. even check tickets. Um, you know, and people just go where they want to without, mm. you know, thinking about it. Whereas here, you know, when, when you think about going from one to, or even like if I have to come here to Cliff Central, I have to think about which road to use, which road has, will be least congested now, um, which one will, won't have, be damaged by potholes because of the rain. You know, there's all those kinds of things that, that filter into your mind. Whereas when you're in Germany, you, you just get on a train or get on a bus. But now you can't just do that. You know, within a month, the atmosphere has changed um, because now there's the people who, who walk into a train and hurt other people with axes. Um, it's, it, it's, it's creating a different kind of society, I think. Okay. <laughs> I haven't been to Germany, so I, I definitely can't speak on that. But I, I definitely am terrified every time I open my Twitter app, that's for sure. Yes, that's true. I know true. something crazy has happened. <laughs> anyway, I know Greg is itching to turn local. But that being um, said, yes. uh, you know, I think that this this case about the Tulsi twins is also mm. a bit difficult to come to terms with, you know, because I see the journalists covering this case. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they're straddling between incredulity and saying, where's the proof that they could actually have done something? And one question that I did see on yeah. Twitter was, 
how if they were going to blow up the U.S. consulate yeah. or whatever else, um, how were they going to do it? How they were, were they going to act? But it seems that the state is going balls to the wall on this thing because they're not letting up. They don't want them to get bail because they believe that they are a danger to society. I mean, it looked to me like the Hawks and the state needed a win, and they and they found people who. You know, from I mean, we spoke to I think Ryan Cummings, um, security expert. I suppose one could call. And it was like these people are very amateurish. Mm. They tried to go to Syria, they couldn't. They're trying to, so they, they there's some loose intent to try and play in this game and this world. Mm. But it's highly amateur, and they didn't have the capability, nor the planning, nor the networks, nor the capacity to actually, you know, blow up the U.S. consulate. But the state needs a win, and it's going to be like, no, these are the guys, and we're gonna we're gonna treat them as fully blown terrorists. I think we just have to. I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting to yeah. see what else comes out in court because yeah. at the moment the details we've heard are so, yeah, it's they, they just seem like these guys could just be anyone, you know, like, yeah. cause what did they have? A stun grenade and some ammunition or something? No, like no, that, that was the other case. That was the other brother and sister. These guys didn't have weapons on them. So can I just say that there's another brother and sister? Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. I think. them, wasn't it? Pardon? No, they didn't have any weapons. The Tulsi twins didn't have any weapons. It was just that they um, ah. they were attempting to leave the country. But I think there's two factors. And the Hawks had known about it for like two years. Then the uncle. Yeah, but they were monitoring say, them. They hadn't done anything. So that's what I'm saying. And they still haven't done anything. Yes, but I think there's there's two factors that need to be taken that's into account it. here. Yeah. The firstly is whether um, they were in fact a potential danger to society, yeah. and. The South African government responding to world events. So it's not just taking mm. for granted that nothing can happen here. Yeah. So I think that they are trying to adapt to global conditions. The second thing is to, to deal with this case so that it's, it serves as a deterrent. Yeah. To anybody else in, in our society who may be harboring such hopes. I, I, w- I was flabbergasted to hear or to read last, in last week's one of su- the Sunday papers last week that some guy was standing at the top of Sandton City flying a drone over the U.S. consulate in Johannesburg. Why would you do that? I mean, even if it was just a drone enthusiast. Like innocently just having a good yeah, time. Like why would you do Show that over the U.S. consulate? What do you think is going to happen to you? So I think that there must be an effort also to diminish the ability of people to be stupid in our society, let alone terrorists. <laughs> but I think, I think within reason, you don't want to, I mean, a big reason, at least the analysts say, a big reason why South Africa has been able to escape a lot of the terrorist activity yeah. is because you don't have people who are feeling mar- marginalized or feeling yes, hard done by, along, along those lines. Yes. So you don't want to overdo it and have and create, and this is definitely not that. Yes, but because anything to have a group of people feeling like these guys are always coming to raid us or always accusing us of being terrorists. So I would be, I would almost do the opposite. Yes, and try to let the stupid people be stupid so that you can, we can see the idiot drone guy. You can see the idiot trying to go to Syria every month. It's fine. He's not going to get to Syria. He's just watching stuff on YouTube. So you, wouldn't it be better to almost just let him be stupid? Yes, I think the the the, the decider, the yeah. defining line is how far you go. Because yes, we do we do have our freedoms in society. Unfortunately, yeah. the freedoms under attack is the freedom of speech, uh, thanks to the SABC, but not you know freedom of movement, freedom of association, freedom of religion. All of that is quite intact mm. in our society, but. I don't think that freedom to fly a drone over the U.S. consulate qualif- is, 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 is firmly entrenched in our constitution. <laughs> okay, to Mr. Drone Man, I'm not sure what happened, but please don't do that. And anybody listening, don't, don't fly drones over the U.S. embassy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
now to this thing next week happening, uh, local government elections. Um, and Jenny, in reading your most recent article, I was so curious by the, I was intrigued by the introduction where you said this is not going to be about the numbers. And you mentioned the economic growth figures that had just come out. They revised down the, the forecast from 0.6 to 0%. Mm-hmm. And you were just like, this is not, it's not about this. Isn't yep. that a bit depressing that, that something like that can happen, which is a big deal? No forecasted growth for the country this year and that not affect elections. Yes, exactly. The thing is that this is not an election about issues yep. as much as issues are, is, 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 you know, the, the issues should, should be the defining numbers, factor. Numbers, facts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our country is wracked by service delivery protests. Mm. The service delivery, the statistics, the ability to to deliver, the hitches in service delivery delivery in a municipality should have been top of mind. Sure. It should have been um, what politicians are talking about mm. on the campaign trail as they go to every single municipality. It's not, um, you know, it's 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 and unfortunately, our society, our voters are not demanding those answers. You don't see that happening um, when when politicians. Uh, a, B, or C go to whatever community, you don't get a sense that the communities are demanding another. Why do you, did you deploy that lazy counselor here? Why didn't Mr. or Mrs. So and so not deliver this? Why did they not repair the sewage system? Why did they not bring proper sanitation? You don't get those, those kinds of interrogation. Um, and I think that that has made, uh, the political set in our country quite smug. That they can go around, they can sing songs, um, you know, they can, they can have this whole hullabaloo about Madiba and not actually deal with issues. I think that the, uh, the South African electorate is way too gentle and way too tolerant in these elections. And I find that interesting because also we've had massive service delivery protests where people are, you know, mm. burning the councillor's house down or making the community like, you know, unworkable and people can't go to work. But what, isn't that people demanding service? Yeah, I'm not sure if I would agree with Ranjini. Okay. I think that particularly from the EFF and Democratic Alliance, I think they yeah. often tap into service delivery issues. Not, it's hard, it's hard to pinpoint them to all, all of the different communities across the country, but often when you do go into communities, people say, this road, there are problems in making this road. The councillor said that, you know, they were going to do this, just for example, and it didn't happen, or we expected jobs to come with this road and the jobs were given to outside people, and so on and so on and so on. And I think, I can't say, say so much for the ANC, but particularly the Democratic Alliance and EFF, I think have been really trying to put things back on issues. Not to the extent they should, but when it comes to most councils are run by the NC mm. in the country, okay? And when, um, the NC's national and provincial leaders, like right now, they, um, the NC deputy president is in, um, is, is in the Lanseria area with, uh, the provincial leader of the, uh, of Gauteng, Paul mm. Mashatile. Do you think that they, though that community is going to demand answers, um, from from these leaders about the level of development in that community, or are they going to be part of you know the hysteria that happens when a politician goes to a community? That shouldn't be a source of celebration. That should be par for the course in in South Africa. Politicians should always be out there. Mm. So, for example, we had a story last week from KwaZulu Natal where the deputy president uh, was addressing um, business leaders, um, uh, you know, the, the kind of middle class. In yeah. um, they, uh, they did not ask him 
any questions, any di- of the difficult questions about, um, you know, the NC's factional battles in that province, the divisions, the lack of service delivery, um, and also the big issues, um, you know, the Nkandla matter, the Gupta matter. And you would think that people who are involved in business, who are academics, uh, you know, who, who are, with the, that level of society would be interrogating the deputy president. They've got him there in front of you. What else would you ask him? But that was not part Mm. of the interrogation. I think that particularly happens when we get the president and deputy president and very high level politicians, um, out there, particularly, you know, state officials, that people do sort of, um, swap what might have been anger or criticism or even curiosity about specific issues that you're mentioning with awe and respect. And I think particularly when those big leaders sort of jet in, people often seem to you know, sort of give them a particular type of rev- reverence. reverence yes. mm. So this is what now, uh, let, if we come back to the piece yeah. that I wrote about how the NC is clawing back. Because what you got is that there was a high level of anger uh, and, and disenchantment. And that peaked around April this year when that constitutional court judgment mm. um, happened. So you had two big issues at the time colliding and one was the constitutional court judgment on Kandla and the second thing was the state capture investigation and and the the interference of the Gupta family yeah. in state affairs so those were two big issues you had um uh, you, uh the expressions of disappointment um uh, in the president and calls from from several sectors mm. in society religious leaders um NC stalwarts uh business people um uh, civil society organization, some of them calling on the president to step down. So what did the ANC do with that? They said, let's listen to you. Come and tell us about it. And then a few weeks later, they said, oh, this matter has been heard. The National Executive Committee has taken a decision. Both, you know, first, um, the Nkanda matter, we accept the president's apology. It's closed. Then the Gupta matter, it's it's closed because there was only one written submission. So that's gone. That is effectively closed down. So the president has basically been uh, gone out on the campaign trail without any worry in the world. And what you see now, as as you say, is that when he goes out or when anybody else goes out, if there was that anger and disappointment at the NC and saying, you know, that you, you have strayed from what you, you know, your mandate is. Mm. It's not, it's not being transferred. What you, what you do are getting now, what you, what you are seeing in communities is, 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 um, you know, like the, the mass expressions of support for the ANC. You, it seems as if the party is clawing back. Um, it is regaining uh, support. And it, the ANC always does this, by the way, in the, in the last month mm. of the campaign. What's that? Um, is it puts, uh, of, you know, ped- pedal to the metal. Goes all out, um, and it it's able to draw people who who are dis- disenchanted and disappointed. Mm. Is able to pull them back and say, "Look, we've got the ability to self-correct. We've had our problems, but this is the ANC. This is the ANC you know and grew up with, and let you know bring it back home." And and it's working. It appears to be working. I mean, coupled with that sort of feeling of coming back to your political home, there seems to be also an aggressive, sort of offensive. Also, Greg, I'm just referring to the. To the press release we saw this morning. Do you have that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the one from ZZ Cordova from yeah. the ANC. Yeah. yeah. And the heading was White Supremacy and Arrogance at the Core of the DA's Appropriation of Madiba. And that's, for me, that, that's really strong wording in the offensive. So it's, there seems to be, as much as there's an element of come back to your political home, you know us, 
there's also a strong offensive, and I think that's that's probably credit to the DA for for hit for for getting a party that usually is able to just sit back and mm. say, you know us, we're we're not going anywhere. To have to come out and, and make such strong statements like this. I'm not sure if you think it's just the, the Madiba appropriation thing, or do you think it's a wider, it's a wider reflection of the ANC seeing the DA as a legitimate threat this time around? I think that the ANC certainly has had to work harder in this campaign. Um, and I think that the, the introduction of the EFF, uh, in in in, uh, in the in the municipal sphere, as well as the DA hitting it hard, um, I think that has posed a major challenge for for the NC to to respond to it, to to things that they they would ordinarily have overlooked. Mm. Um, but I think that there is a certain level of um, defensiveness as well when it okay. comes to the Madiba legacy. Mm. So I I think it is understandable that the that the NC would okay. uh, would respond to that. But it's interesting to see how hard, particularly President Zuma, in, in his own capacity, is hitting out at the DA, calling them a racist party that came from the National Party, and saying, you know, you can't understand any black person that votes for the DA or joins the DA or especially leads the DA, obviously referring to Musi Maimani. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how late in the campaign he's going for the sort of, you know, race-baiting attacks. Um, but I just wonder whether it will work. I think with a lot of people, it will make them question whether they want to vote DA or some people who are borderline um, because the DA still does have a lot of challenges in terms of cha- transforma- transforming its brand. And Well, I think that one thing you've seen in uh, election campaigns in the US, in the mm. UK and now here is fear-mongering mm. where you play into people's base fears. Um, and and one fear I think um, among uh, black people uh, could be that you know a return to to white domination, mm. um, and also that um, you know that the um, the the rights and um, uh, you know the, the the things that have been achieved in our society over the past twenty two years can be reversed to an extent. And I think that's what President Zuma mm. is playing into. Um, and, you know, it's not, a, it shouldn't be a real fear. Our society has so many protections. Uh, I don't think that, the, you know, you can, can return to some, you know, a, a state of white dominance. Um, but that being said is that there is so much imbalance in our society yeah. um, and racial imbalance mm. and anger due to that racial imbalance that it is an easy it's an easy avenue to explore, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you, where you tap into that anger, you know, it, and it's the same thing that you see in the United States where people are worried about their safety. Um, and therefore Trump goes on this entire mission about building a wall mm. and chasing out Muslims, uh, not allowing Muslims into the country. Yeah. And it has resonance, although it's illogical, it has a resonance, a resonance. And the same thing with Brexit. Um, you know, that people want to protect their culture and their society yeah. and, and key, keep, uh, a kind of pure society in the UK. And hence you had so many people voting, um, to leave the, the European Union. So this is the thing with, uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, the, the people in our society will fear, will fall for the fear mongering and they shouldn't. There should be enough information and knowledge in our society, um, you know, about constitutional protections. Um, and also you expect a person, uh, that, um, you know, of the caliber of the president not to say such divisive things. 
you know, he is, yes, he is a, the leader of a political party, but mm. he is still the holder of the highest office in the land. He shouldn't be the source of division. There should be a certain level of respect for the society over which you preside. And I think it, it is rather irresponsible of the president, um, you know, it, to, to go out and, and, and say such things, you know, call opposition party leaders snakes. Uh, he, he did it to Musi Man yeah, the other said day. A snake give birth to a snake. And yes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I see he's now done it to, to Julius Malema. So that's highly irresponsible, irresponsible, no. um, uh, you know, on the part of the president. You know, it, it's all fair in love and elections. So, you know, you, you, mm, you would expect some, some, uh, amount of rhetoric and, uh, um, b- uh, bomb, What's the word? Bomb, bombastness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with that. Greg you know, bombast, yeah. Right. Um, so, but you know, you you don't expect it at at that level, and certainly not from the from the person of the president. I think looking at it from the DA's side, though, they've clearly for years they've been trying to change their image and sort of get rid of these shackles that they're just a white party that will protect white interests and yep. white capitalist mm-hmm. interests. Mm. Um, even if even if um, people don't believe that they'll bring apartheid back, mm. there is still, I think, quite a strong sentiment that they represent white people and the white electorate. And I think it's over the last sort of couple of years, and the DA is almost, I think, constantly working at this sort of stuff to try and change their public image and try to challenge that, you know. I think that's one of the, you know, they've got all these young black leaders coming up that I think they needed to... To have more represent, sort of represent, representation of the majority of the country. And, um, if you look at their advertisements, um, their branding, they're getting out on the streets. Um, Musim Aymani's, um, speeches and, and even his, uh, change in accent, you know, so, um, and I think even last week, it seems like they almost, were prepared for Zuma's comments like this when they got their, I think it was, um, Khaleb Kachalia, Madodo and Becky and, um, Lindala Chwete, their, Sort of struggle kids who've joined them, um, they rolled them out, you know, to sort of confront this, um, these comments from Zuma. So I think they're sort of, it's very interesting to see how they are strategizing around this and they're mm. trying to play into it and also trying to play them themselves as the only party that, um, really respects Madiba's vision of reconciliation and non-racial South Africa. Yeah, look, um, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that we have to use the names of these struggle families mm. at all. Um, you know, it should, it shouldn't have been a factor. Um, you it know, seems a bit crass and it does. you can sort of see through it, it but. Does. Um, and you, you know the NC, uh, it, it uses the names of. It. You've seen it now with the um, the use of the veterans uh, over the weekend. So it does it it does live off its legacy and its history. And um, the 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 DA appears to be wanting to tap into in into this now by by using uh, some of the 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 children of of the stalwarts. Um, but as I say, you know, it's, um, it's election time. There's, you know, anybody's free to use whatever mechanisms they want to employ. And I, I don't think, you know, there should be any kind of hard and fast rules about it. It's people will choose to make the electoral decisions on a whole range of factors. And I don't know how much the voice of the veterans count. In, in the decisions to voice. Honestly, I, I, I can't say that it, it would be and should be such a big factor. Mm. Just gonna go into a very quick break and we'll be right back. Last year, the CEO Sleepout was the biggest fundraising event in South Africa. This year, as a proud digital media partner for the Sympathy Sleepout, Cliff Central is challenging you to rally your colleagues in a company Sleepout at your offices in support of the homeless 
and to raise money for education. It costs only 800 rand to register. Visit cliffcentral.com for more info. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. You're just joining us about halfway through the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central, uh, focusing on the local government elections, our people will be going to the polls next week. Uh, I realized I was just an ad for the CEO sleep on, and I'm curious if anybody in the room will be attending. Anybody? No? None of us are CEOs, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We'll probably just be giving I'd welcome the, the chance to go to yeah. sleep, <laughs> but uh, you know, why is they, everybody so they, tired? Man? They have yeah. if they have just a general sleep out. Anyway. <laughs> so just general sleep in. When you need to sleep for a sleep in, sleep in, sleep over, sleep. Definitely be into that. Just yeah. <laughs> leave general. Vibe. If people would donate money for me to sleep, hey, I'm on, on it for that. <laughs> uh, you were just talking about the the impact or lack of impact of bringing out. Um, stalwarts or, or, or apartheid struggle heroes, uh, with the idea that this sort of gives credibility to your, to your party, right? Whether that's the ANC trying to bring back all people who are disillusioned with the ANC as it stands now, or the DA trying to bring the, the, the descendants of the children and grandchildren. And I'm curious where in a, in an election where a lot of people are looking for the youth vote, does it, does it carry weight? Do young people, actually care do they know these names do they but this is the thing i mean uh, i don't know how many new voters um now people between the age of 18 and 22 would know who steve traitor was so that his son would make that much of an impact or who um amina kachalia was so that her son would make that much of an impact i really don't know people know becky the Becky name is quite popular the mandela name obviously but even then there's been such a dissipation of the of madiba's legacy madiba is now um you know like zakumi was in the in the the the, world cup uh, the soccer 2010 World Cup was this, like a big mascot, and that's how people t- they've, they've turned a political legacy into a big cheerleader. And it gets to be anything you want it to yes. be. I think that's the you, thing you, when it becomes can, so watered down and yes, vague that it yeah. therefore can be anything. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I, yeah. think, I, I agree. I don't think young people know some of these struggle veterans, and and especially not their kids. And even yes. even if they might have heard of them, they probably might not care at all yes. anyway. But who they do know is the celebrities. And that's where I think the ANC is yes. doing really well in terms yes. of rolling out these celebrities um, to go and do, you know, go, and, go into communities and, and sort of promote the ANC. Like if you get AKA, mm. you know, as one of probably the country's best rapper, yeah. um, to come into a community and endorse the ANC. I think that goes a really, really long way. He puts it on Instagram, he puts it on all social media, and, you know, it looks cool. It sort of, it, it makes you think, maybe I'll vote for the ANC if, if AKA does. And also, I think they're, I think it was a great little move to incorporate the dab, the, the dance dab, move. Yeah. Into into their and campaign. It's caught on. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought that you know, like just dipping your elbow would be a thing? But it is. Yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it it they. I think that they, um, have looked at how society responds, uh, to various things and various mm. issues, and and I think it was an extremely clever move to introduce n- new fashion, the new mm. dance move, the celeb set. Um, the EFF has been leading the way with, um, with house music, uh, as part of its campaign. You know, they've dropped a few house tracks. I don't know what the Zoom was for. Are there any, are there they others are on top more. of they, the... They've re- released a couple YouTube tracks. Oh, I've, man, I've, I see, I've seen these. them promoting okay. them. I don't know how, how, you know, how it's, uh, catch up, but certainly the, um, you know, we were at the, at the market theater that, that day when, um, 
the the NC. I mm. mean, we didn't know what was going on because I mean, it's an election time, and why would there be models parading around in in fashion garments? It's 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 utterly bizarre. I've never seen that anywhere else in the world. But the NC, uh, you know, the, the strategists have looked at our society mm. and looks mm. at what moves things, uh, what catches on, what resonates, and um, it was an extremely clever move to use these celebs and use fashion items to to appeal to people who otherwise may not have been paying attention. I also wonder if if it's not if some people won't interpret it as um perhaps too so incorporating celebrities and getting someone like David Lale to come and come and have a fashion show, you know, at that ANC event at the Market Theater, if you know you won't get some voters, even young voters, who think, you know, this party isn't taking us seriously. We're angry with how things are going. We want faster transformation. We want better service delivery, we want less corruption and we're getting a fashion show. Yes, I mean that that's the in, the insulting part of it because you know the the thing you should be talking about is jobs. That that's the thing that really should no. be moving the youth. So what you should be doing if you if you have access to the market theater is have um you know a a a, a display of job opportunities or career paths where you're counseling young people to say, this is what our economy needs. This is what you should be studying for. This is what, you know, I ha- have that kind of event where you say, this is the role that this ANC uh, plays in society where people who other, uh, you know, ordinarily be helpless would no- not know what career path to choose, what opportunities exist yeah. out there, not knowing how to get uh, financing for, for um, education opportunity or skills training. This is how you do it. Um, and we haven't seen that on the campaign trail. So this is what I mean when I was talking earlier about real issues, because I've not seen anywhere um, where communities or uh, particularly groups of young people yeah. confronting politicians on the stump saying, where are, how are you going to create jobs here? You know, what are you doing here, right here in this, um, in this uh, um, town or metro to create uh, so that uh, my friends, my family, and I can get job opportunities, and you you haven't that uh, had the, 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 that kind of interaction with uh, with politicians. Mm. No, I think it's a difficult question to ask. Um, a while back, I looked at broke down the different um, proposals on youth employment for I think oh, from the different manifestos. Yeah, from mm. the different manifestos, yeah. and I think what you, I think what you realize after looking at them is it's very very difficult. There are a few different proposals and and options like you know the city of Johannesburg has this Josie at Work sort of mm. program. There are, there are expanded public works programs and and so on. But I think fundamental transformation is going to be very very hard and take mm. a long time and I don't think anyone right now has the answers. And I think that's one of the reasons perhaps the ANC is sort of going for this um trying to sell the party as or, or at least one part of its campaign trying to sell the party as um the party of success, style, and perhaps wealth. Like you know? glamour, yes. wealth. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the party mm. that's on trend, mm. you know. And, mm. um, you know, but the thing is that if you look at uh, the things that, that move conversations in our society, I had no idea what this Danielle person was um, that caused such a storm on social media about a matric dance dress. That's because you're not hip, Brian Jenny. Yeah, uh, but also, I, I, you know, I wouldn't allow uh, 
that person to to impact my mindset and yeah. my level of thinking and um, make uh, uh, allow her to make decisions, you know, that that will influence me. But um, for some reason, this person. <laughs> okay. became I like how she just wanted to have a disclaimer. Like, <laughs> I don't care about yes, you. Yes, exactly. But why did this person infiltrate my life? Like you know, in at a time when we were in the midst of an yeah, election, whatever. at a time of global terror. My society is having a discussion about this person and a machik dance dress. You know, it's infuriated me to no end. I have to say, I was actually quite, I don't know why. I just yeah. found it quite interesting. When I'm pretty sure I don't know that well. And I'm sorry if there's any real fans of Danae or Renaka out there, but where someone, a girl asked her for a matric dance dress and she said no. And then she went on a whole. Oh, then everyone else bought her dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were people donated, and there was this whole this PR stuff. exercise. And but then, then, and then Danielle, for some reason, I think went to the girl's house. Yes, and then the PR like, agency was involved and pulled out, and um, and then she was collecting money on behalf of the girl or something like that. But that's why it's interesting because it's a drama and. It's sort of a, a moral question too. Do you and a question about generosity and celebrity and influence? But, it's just like television. Yeah, basically. but but surely in the age, surely in the, in the age of global terror, as you've called it, we need we need things like this to to keep our minds off the, this feeling that the world is ending. I do not need a conversation about a matric dance to keep my mind off global terror. Jeez. <laughs> maybe okay. I've got a. I never yeah. went to a matric dance, so maybe I've got some sort of inadequacy inside yeah, me that probably. makes me really interested. Let's in start such a campaign. Someone, let's get Greg a tuxedo so he can go to matric. <laughs> when is matric dance? Season. Or maybe it can be yeah. the the no, 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 date, celeb date. Oh, that's something. <laughs> or maybe we can get Gareth to be. A Jesus, date. okay, this is, <laughs> this is all right. Let's bring it back. Okay, since Ranjani likes hard facts and she likes she likes things like you know upfront, she wants politics. I think I'm just you're completely looking, misrepresenting <laughs> me. Too. I'm just looking at the data. I think uh, Ipsos and ENCA have compiled what they see as predictions of of how the three key big metros will go. That's Johannesburg, Tuan, and Nelson Mandela Bay. Um, and no one, no, according to these these numbers, no party outright wins them based on the predictions. And that um, is why I think that yeah. the conversations we're going to have. Um, in future shows is, a, is around coalitions. I mean, absolutely. So at least in two out of three of them, based on these numbers, the DA and the EFF get, you know, more than 50% through a coalition. I think the only one, Nelson Mandela Bay, they only get to 48 based on these numbers. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the interesting question that people keep trying to push the DA and the EFF on. Would you form a coalition? And both have sort of been, have not said no thus far. No one has said no. I think my mind is lying as you don't discuss penalty shootouts while the game is still on. Mm. Um, the EFF spokesman has also been pretty coy about it and said, let's talk about it after. Mm. I mean, but my big confusion is just how do the policies work? How do the values work? If EFF is so, EFF is so set in its, in its sort of radical, um, stance. And if the DA is about a free market economy already before you even get into the manifestos and the details, how do those two parties govern together? Okay. But the co- a coalition is not like-minded parties working together. Well, there should have to be some alignment no, of values, surely. It doesn't. Uh, if you remember that we had a government of national unity in 1994 here, okay. between the NC and the National Party, yep. you could get not get people more, more different. More different, yeah. And and you know, but it didn't last long. It's it's a crumbled after two and a half years, I think. Um, but that was because of uh, you know the, the the National Party's insecurities. It wasn't that they you know that they uh, they the ANC booted them out or anything? Well, like that's that. not a by the way. You can't say oh, kind of by the way. It kind of fell apart. It fell apart. That's that's an important <laughs> point. It did not work. 
And I just, I just can't, I can't okay, imagine but, right. what an EFFDA is. In, in KwaZulu-Natal, from yeah. 1994 to 2004, you had the ANC and IFP in government together, mm-hmm. running the provincial government. It was a horrendous time, but it worked for 10 years. They stayed for 10 years. What do you mean by worked? The, the, the government function. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, eventually because they were, um, uh, the NC and IP were in government together, it was a time of massive political violence. Yeah. I was covering that violence and then I, for a short while, worked in the KwaZulu South Provincial Government. So I was quite close to it. I understood it. It was a very hostile relationship, but in the midst of that hostility, mm. they negotiated a peace, pa- peace package for, um, KwaZulu Natal and there was a cessation of violence. So it's, yes, it's difficult, but it works. To, to a certain extent And it, you know It depends on the commitment Of the people involved The personalities Of the people involved okay. And whether um, You know They They have a commitment To making Whatever area They govern over Function And uh, I think that That was the The, the overall uh, Perspective of the KwaZulu-Natal government And I think that It can work In municipalities So, so take for example um, Nelson Mandela Bay mm. Uh, so if you have the EFF and DA yep. plus some of the smaller parties, yeah. so UDM or, or whoever else, COPE maybe, um, in a, in a coalition government there, I, th- they don't necessarily have to be like-minded because they, they're very different, but what they can do is agree on certain issues okay. and, um, you know, a- around how the metro is governed. Um, and you know, not everything in, in, in the functioning of government is ideological. With the EFF in particular, I think that the huge ideological questions, and I think that is really why Julius Malema is saying that he wants a municipality that the EFF can govern on its own yeah. because they want to use it as a model mm. to to show the country or the you know the, how they would do what they what they say. Yeah, they and a lot of do. people think that manifesto just doesn't work. You can't do that. Yes, so this exactly. is chance it's, to it, prove it, that it, it's It looks possible. as if it's it's pie in the sky. It looks yeah. too far fetched, and it's very ideological. So I think out of everybody, it's you know that the, the the ideological question is certainly hanging over the EFF. But I think with everybody else, it's it would be a matter of functionality. Okay. Uh, so I don't think that there would be that much, that many problems. I think that's the big question in these elections. In the EFF could play the kingmaker role in any one of the municipalities, particularly up for grabs: Johannesburg, Tswane, and Nelson Mandela Bay. Yeah. Do they want to go into a coalition where their policies might be watered down, but at the same time they could be a part of a functioning government and show that they have some sort of legitimacy? They're not just reckless youth who are you know going to tear shit up mm, when they get into government. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, um, become a part of policies that they, you know, fundamentally sort of disagree with or, or want to transform, or do they do they wait out? Do they do they sit it out and keep on criticizing from the outside and try to build up their brand as an opposition I mean, party? I think there's something there. Surely that's a loss of momentum for the EFF, yeah. where you come in and you know you're so critical of the system and everything about it, and then you bring your little five percent to a to a coalition so you're not you're not in charge of that coalition because you bring so little but you you're sort of part of 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 implementing policies that you disagree with and those are not necessarily coalition policies but just national state policies 
does is that a loss of momentum if you have to do that in a couple of municipalities is it then more difficult to come and be super critical of the state and of the, and of how things work okay. i think that yeah. uh, the the eff has demonstrated how effective it can be in terms of its conduct in in the national assembly okay. in particular not so much in the national council of provinces but in the national assembly certainly that it's shown how 25 mp's in amongst 400 MPs can make a difference. Um, and I think that that's what they are trying to um, kind of pass on to the rest of the country in the provinces and now in the, in the municipalities where they may be small in numbers, but they make um, an impact and they have a presence in society. So I think that mm. what they want to do is show people that it's not, it's not only, you know, rabble rousing in the National Assembly, that they can play that same role in terms of ensuring accountability um uh, pushing certain agendas um in 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 the metros in, or, or and in the municipalities where they are represented I think it could be interesting as well the issues that the EFF might bring up in coalition talks so what I think the EFF could do mm. is you know when it comes to if 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 a coalition is necessary to be formed for yeah. to, to form a government um they may say, look, okay, we'll join with you and we want these one, two, three things or we want this policy to be pushed and choose sort of one of their fundamental policies that could work with, with whichever party they might join into. And then if that's a success, that could be sort of a little, a sort of a flagship program that they've shown in government that works. And in the run up to the next elections, the provincial and national elections, they've got some examples mm. of, of programs that they've run and led and, and forced others to implement and it works. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite fascinated. I, don't know, I guess there's a lot on the EFF, but I just think of their pillars, you know, like expropriation of land, nationalization of mines and banks. Like, I mean, I just don't know. You can't really do much with that at a local level. So I guess, and they can't, they can't do their full plan, pie in the sky, as you called it, at a local level either. So I think, I think I'm just, I think if I'm in their seat, I'm very confused about what the best move is for me as the EFF right now in, in places. As you as the Yeah, as me as the EFF. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not sure what the best move is between losing momentum by having to be a part of it. But if I don't join a coalition, then I'm accused of being the people who just want to shout from the outside and never want to actually do I th- anything. I think one interesting thing yeah. is the EFF has been very strategic yeah. um, in the moves they've made. And I think they've done very well in terms of the growing, growing their strength and growing their numbers and their influence. So I think while it's a difficult position to be in, I think yeah. they'll take a very strategic decision, yeah. whatever they well, do. It's also a great position to be in, let's be mm-hmm. honest. It means you're on the rise, you've got momentum, you just it's about what the best way to keep going to the to the big elections is. Yep. And I think it will all lead all all of yeah. this that's happening now has to lead to twenty nineteen. I think that's going to that's be a big thing, right? uh, you know the big test um for for everyone um you know the the EFF made a big splash in 2014 mm. um and but even now uh I think I've heard Malema saying that you know their their goal is to triple uh, the percentage mm. that they, 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 the national percentage that mm. they received in 2014. That's a big ask, uh, for a new party. They apparently today or, the, or, or this week, they're three years old. So it's a big yeah. ask, yeah, for, uh, you know, the EFF to, to triple the, the level of support. Um, but, uh, I think in, in 2014, I mean, 2019, certainly, um, you know, they will then be judged 
not on the basis of you know people just being wowed by Julius yeah, Malema and, and his personality of, of headlines, yeah. is going to be the actual track record yeah. um, in the national assembly and provinces and then in municipalities. Uh, you know, so they're going to be the I think the novelty of the EFF would have worn out from the, oh, by then, and it's they also going to be judged just like everybody else is judged, you know, on the basis of their track record. Okay. I hate to say, I told you so, guys. Exciting times. This is what I meant, right? Hardly contested, hardly contested elections in the country. This is this is the excitingness. No. There's also the Deneo story. Jesus, <laughs> and Ranjini still thinks the world is ending, so she's just like, oh my god. Well, I think uh, for me, um, you know, the the other important issue. Parallel to these elections has yeah. been the, the issues of the uh, SABC. Mm. And, you know, I've seen some commentary saying that the media is too obsessed with this issue. We're making too much of it. And, um, it's not that important. And, you know, we have like kind of a journalists have a persecution complex, whereas we feel everybody's attacking us. And that is why we. I think that there is a really a lack of appreciation in society about the dangers. Of this censorship rule in, um, at the SABC. So I was thinking about this when I was watching, uh, the aftermath of the attack in Munich. Mm. Um, because minutes after this happened, somebody who had taken cell phone footage of the shooter shooting at the teenage kids posted it online. And the major networks picked it up mm, and they, it. they broadcast yeah. it. So the, the, the image of the person was quite hazy, yeah. but you could see him holding the gun and firing at people and people running away. So the, the, the actual horror of the incident is brought home. If you have a national broadcaster or public broadcaster or whatever they're called, uh, state broadcaster, national broadcaster, okay. you know, it's okay. all uh, interchangeable these days. Okay. Um, if you have the, Public broadcaster making decisions which they claim to be acting in the public interest. Do they show that footage or don't they show that footage? If they're saying that people can watch things like that and emulate it, mm. because that is the rationale behind the burning of buildings. So, you know, there's no, there's no way to stop this. Uh, you know, where, where do you draw the line and say, I, wait, 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 you, the, the, the person who is at the head of the SABC says, I know what's best for society. Based so, on no um, research or no data, yes, just like exactly. uh, how I feel so this morning. You, so there's, there, there's nothing that informs this decision that yeah. says that people watch footage on television and do the, do, do that. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's just that I, I, I watched this and I saw Al Jazeera, SABC, I mean, um, BBC, CNN, yeah, no, all of them yeah. broadcasting this footage one after the other. And do they, do, do, does that um, thinking filter in to any of those people that by broadcasting this, um, you know, that, that, that we could be spreading that, you know, this uh, propensity to commit violence in other parts of the world or amongst other people. And that is not the role of the, of a broadcaster anywhere in the world. That is not your, your role is to tell the news as it happens. Um, and, and for some reason, this, this thing where, the uh, uh, SABC has taken it on upon itself to decide on behalf of soci- society in South Africa mm. what's good and what's not good. That is uh, highly irresponsible and completely intolerable. And I think that is why there's such a hullabaloo about this issue. Okay. We don't really have time to respond. I mean, there's a lot to dig into, Ranjani, but the next time you're on, we'll pick it up from there. Ranjani Munasami, Greg Nicholson, thank you so much for joining me. 
Um, everybody else for tuning in. We appreciate it. Please download and share the podcast. See you next week, 1 to 2 p.m. The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com.